the Toasted Sister Podcast. I'm Andy Murphy. to this episode, I'd like to let you know about the Indigenous Comic-Con. It takes place November 2nd to the 4th in Albuquerque at the Isleta Casino. It is a very awesome three-day event full of native pop culture featuring Indigenous writers, illustrators, artists, actors, and producers. And this year, Chef Brian Yazzie and myself will be there talking about Indigenous food. I will also be selling my 2019 Native American food calendar at this event. So if you're curious to know more, follow Indigenous Comic Con on social media. All right, so let's get into this episode. I met with Tawana Yepa at her farm in Jemez Pueblo in northern New Mexico. And then at the end of the episode, you'll hear from Tina Archuleta. She's the owner of Vitality Plant-Based Wellness. Tawana, tell me about your operation here. Tell me about Corn Pollen Trail Farms. Well, it's called Corn Pollen Trail Farms after my Indian name, Kitnolopong. Basically, I'm a native woman-owned farming business that aims to have a positive impact on health outcomes in native and rural populations um, by increasing the amount of organic fresh produce that's available to schools, businesses, families. Um, And I also provide information resources pertaining to the benefits of local foods, indigenous foods, superfoods and medicinal foods, um, and also um, resources um, and training on year-round seasonal growing practices, seed saving, and um, organic fertilization and pesticide techniques. So um, what what kinds of stuff are you planning to uh, add to to the garden outside? to the farm (laughs) i plan on um increasing um the amount of indigenous foods that i grow um like amaranth i'm really interested in chia as well i'm kind of secluded out here so it's perfect to you know plant a specific kind of corn that i might want to keep from getting cross-pollinated and uh, oh i also want to start growing microgreens um indigenous microgreens um, I also have um, uh, cotton seeds, uh, white and brown cotton that I plan on dying, or sorry, plan on yeah growing and then dying. Uh, I plan on planting gourds, um, you know, for different purposes. Tell me about um, your your origins. Um, how did you start? How did you learn how to grow plants? Um, well, I think it very much is in the blood. Being Pueblo, I definitely grew up around um, farming all the time. The reasons why we dance and why we sing um, when we do our dances and our prayers, um, it's always tied into the land, the clouds, and, you know, praying for rain. You know, growing up with that around me, I learned the the significance of it um, that farming plays into our lives as indigenous people. So growing up with that knowledge and seeing um, the people around me, the adults around me, like my great grandfather, who was a farmer, was one of my inspirations and um, people like my uncle um, who's passed on 
because I saw their dedication to farming and how much that they valued it and what it meant to them. As I got older, I wanted to continue that. My dad's mother, uh, she's from the islands and she uh, was also a gardener. She always had a garden, uh, really beautiful flowers and herbs growing. And so she was also another influence, I think. And so I think from both sides of my family that like I kind of feel like it kind of is like in the blood, you know, like it's like that DNA memory that that's there. So and just I think seeing their dedication to it as they um, grew in age, that's what really made me realize um, planting wasn't just planting. There was a lot more significance behind it. One of the you know greatest memories that I have was of my great-grandfather. I remember I was driving around in Hamas one day when I was in high school, and I saw him standing outside behind his house, and he was 89 years old, you know, in his long johns and his, uh, you know, his walker outside, and he was still out there watering his plants. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, there's a man who believes in something so much that he's you know, even in his old age, he remains that dedicated. Taking those ideas um, from when I was younger and trying to, you know, find a purpose, you know, as I got older, um, those definitely played into uh, the reasons why I chose to take farming seriously, you know, as a life path. Why, Why did you want to turn this into a business? I'm a community health education major. I'm almost done with my degree. And business was never anything that I ever wanted to do. And that was because of just my, you know, connotations to capitalism and the the negative connotations, you know, that it has. You know, so I continued my education in the realm of community health. Um, And then I got to a point where the people, there's people around me in the South Valley that were doing farming. They were doing, you know, educational learning classes with young people, uh, you know, to help have an impact on health outcomes, you know, and in ways of prevention. The thing about that is that they were always looking for someone to fund their work. They're always looking for funding. They're always having to write a grant. They're always having to convince somebody that what they were doing was a good idea, you know, that they should be funded for it and you know which is all fine um, but the thing about that is it's not long lasting it's not it doesn't sustain itself and I saw a lot of people doing work and then that work might fizzle out because funding ran out you know just I guess from seeing people that I knew working in the nonprofit industry and the challenges that it had you know I started to think how can I do something that is still going to, you know, have a positive impact on community, but also be able to sustain itself? But I kind of just saw that and I thought, well, I can do that on my own and without the nonprofit and just, you know, grow food, make an, an income and use that to support myself and a percentage of that to go back into the community work that I wanted to do. And so that's kind of how the idea of taking farming and health and prevention in Native communities 
turning it into a business. One of the other things that I learned when I was um, studying uh, is something called the social determinants of health. And so those are basically, you know, social um, circumstances that affect individuals' health outcome. Education and income are some of those um, social determinants. And so, you know, in rural areas and on reservations, they play into an individual's, you know, health outcome, how much education, you know, they're able to get, you know, to to make healthy choices um, and how much income they have to be able to get those, you know, things for their health. Those were like some key problems that I saw in my community because diet and exercise is one thing. If you can't find the food around you to eat healthy, you know, that's a problem. With our community being, you know, 20, 30 minutes away from the nearest grocery store, having fresh food wasn't always an option. You know, all those changes have impacted the way that we get our food. You know, thinking about that and looking back at, you know, the models that our ancestors had, you know, they were completely self-sufficient. And learning about, you know, the social determinants, you know, it's like, okay, one way that we can have an impact on that is to take it back and start planting our own food again and start growing our own food. Taking that idea and expanding it into, you know, our modern world where we need to be having an income to be able to, you know, have agency to be able to take care of ourselves, take care of our kids, to be able to not have to struggle in this world. Thinking of ways to to minimize those you know, those stressful situations, I thought farming is a way that indigenous people can not only take a proactive, you know, stance on diet, but they can also use farming as a way to um, increase their financial health as well. And hopefully by that, reduce the amount of stress that that might cause on the individual and the family. Taking all those things, you know, into consideration, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. And not only, you know, hits the, the, the fresh food option, which, I mean, I'm into organic food. I mean, I guess that's part of my origins too, is like I started getting into, you know, food and, and appreciating homegrown and fresh food and organic food. And, and then I started learning about the industrial, the industrial agricultural system and learning how bad that is on on the water and and the earth and you know they spray poisons on those food and and learning about the agro agri industry and Monsanto and how they have you know patents on on seeds and GMOs I mean all that is is a part of my um I guess that's like maybe my second part of my origins <laughs> um, once I learned about that it became uh, a passion for me because of that tie to our culture and, you know, and agriculture and knowing that, you know, the, when we pray with corn, that's a seed that's been passed down, you know, through thousands of years, you know, I don't know how many generations. When you have a, a GMO corn, you know, it's not the same, you know, it doesn't have that the same spiritual and sacred, you know, significance that our white corn has. Um, taking 
all of that and realizing um, the importance of, of the seed and the importance of the plant and the connection between the person and the plant, that was, you know, that was like a part of my origins and my community health. And then later, um, you know, came, came the business part. So that's so interesting, um, and I'm sure you've probably run into a lot of challenges uh, turning farming into a, a business. Tell me about uh, some of those challenges and what you're doing to get over those challenges. The challenges that I faced, you know, they're very different. They can range anything from, you know, like the actual physical challenges of farming and getting the plant to grow to being a woman farmer and having my work and other people, you know, take me um, as a farmer seriously is something that I've faced. Another challenge for me personally, like making sure that I do the work in a way that I feel good about it. Because of the teachings that we have around farming, it takes into consideration the life of the plant. To us, it's not just a plant. When you put the seed in the ground, those become your children. One of the teachings that I've had is um, you take care of your children when they're young uh, so that they take care of you when you become older. I'm not saying like it's a challenge for me, but it's a challenge for the business to fit into a, a capitalist model because the model that I've learned under has been one that is meant for a higher producing turnaround, um, high producing yields and crops. And so that means that you are on a very tight schedule with your plantings. Um, when you plant your seed to save time, I. Th- I think they usually use the cedars, which kind of puts this, the seeds in the ground real quick, but it, it's really wasteful. It puts like, I mean, you have to thin and you end up pulling like eight, like eight out of 10 plants, you know, I would say that you put in the ground. So to me, that was, that felt really wasteful. Like I really didn't like to, that's like my least favorite. <laughs> Here's a challenge for me as a farmer. I do not like to thin my plants <laughs> because it feels like a waste, you know, like, like I'm hurting like that life. Like it could have grown into a complete plant, but I'm just pulling it, you know, prematurely. And so to me, I want to be more caring with the seeds that I plant you know like because they are you know sacred they are special you know they hold life in them that life is what sustains us and all all animal life you know so that's a challenge for me as a farmer I think is like being so caring for the plant that it's like I really I really want each plant (laughs) to do good so and the other part to that is um you know, once you get your harvest, like you take salad, for example, you know, you plant your thousands of seeds and you, you know, you end up with a few hundred maybe, and then they grow pretty quickly. Salad's great because it, and that's one of the high value um, producing crops because it has a quick 
turnaround rate of like 25 days so once you put your seed in the ground in about 25 days you'll have like lettuce that you'll be able to harvest and then once you harvest it you'll be able to get like three or four maybe five more harvests off that planting so you'll be able to it'll be able to you know like reproduce itself um a few times i mean which is that's that's one good thing that i learned from them (laughs) the 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 challenge that i had with that is that um once the seed i mean the salad becomes too bitter to sell you know like um out in a restaurant or something you have to pull the plant and so it doesn't allow for the plant to fully mature and to give seed and so if you're not allowing the plant to mature and give seed where are you getting your seed from you're having to order it online and that makes you reliant on you know johnny seeds or you know whatever baker creek you know heirloom or you know whatever seed company that you're that you're getting your seeds from i tried farming like that and i don't think i can farm like that consciously for myself (laughs) for myself i'm like i like to i'm like i'm I've thought about like my how I would like um, mediate that and I would have to have like my own seed garden I think you know that I would be able to let the the plants go um, to full maturity if I was gonna you know have to pull my rest of my plants out yeah so those are some of the things that you know I had to navigate with farming as a business um, and being a native woman a native woman business owner that you know, tries to bring in my culture, you know, and be sensitive to, you know, my identity of who I am. I know you mentioned it a a couple of times, just being a woman and being a farmer and being a native woman farmer. Does that come with challenges? And and, uh, what what are they? Um, I feel like farming in Pueblo communities, growing up, I didn't see a lot of women that were farming. And it wasn't until I started farming and talking to people in my community about what I was doing that I heard stories about other women farmers. I mean, if there was if if there was a family that had no men in their family, they had to farm, you know. And so, you know, when I started farming, people would tell me about you know stories or people that oh yeah, this family used to farm, and they used to farm like these women used to farm, you know. And it was because you know they had to. The women were mostly, you know, we mostly helped harvest. We helped pick chili. Um, we helped get the corn and, and take the corn husks off and different things like that. That was definitely one of the challenges, um, you know, is once I started farming, is people weren't used to seeing it. People in the younger generations weren't used to seeing it. But once we started talking with the older generations there that it was just like normal you know like oh cool oh, good i'm glad you know i'm glad that you're doing it and they were very supportive and um very you know happy that you know we were that you know i was out there farming um yeah i mean just fighting against the average stereotype of a farmer you know in america as well you know like when you say you're somebody's a farmer an indigenous woman I don't think is like what immediately comes to mind so yeah there's definitely you know that barrier that I've faced when I go to you know organizations and I say you know like hey I'm a farmer you know and you know this is what I do and I just notice that the conversation usually kind of gets focused to the men you know like it kind of it kind of just 
kind of just like <laughs> circumvents and goes, you know, to the men. It's like, oh, you know, let me talk to these guys, you know, <laughs> let me talk to these guys over here. So, I mean, down to, I mean, the first year when I started farming, um, the organization that was helping us, they didn't even understand that I was trying to farm uh, for a living um, because they help support farmers like they give them like stipends to do workshops and things like that so the very first year that i farmed um they ended up offering the three guys a stipend to farm and and not me so and you know kind of bit that one a little bit just kind of bit the bullet on that i was like okay well maybe i don't know what what was going on there you know um but i did end up bringing it up at a later time and i'm not sure how how they missed that but um the second year i was able to then be a part of that you know farming group <laughs> be considered a farmer um so yeah so that's you know that was something that happened Joanna has a business relationship selling produce to Tina Archuleta. She's the owner of Vitality Plant-Based Wellness. I met with Tina across from the Wellatoa convenience store in Jemez Pueblo. I started um, getting into health food and selling food at the farmer's market. Um, I used to be um, involved in uh, just organic farming with an organic farmer here in Jemez Pueblo and we just wanted to grow a bigger variety of crops because we have the, you know, the space, the water. So we started growing more things, tomatoes, chard, just more zucchini, more varieties of squash. And uh, we would be the only ones set up at the farmer's market. It used to be here, actually, at Red Rocks. And we'd be the only ones, the, like the only truck set up and just up here. And people would come up and they'd ask you know like oh how do I cook this and how you know and I just to see that lack of knowledge of variety in our own diets and hearing people just their interest for it really kind of propelled me forward through the years and I started selling health food or food that was just just more nutrient dense you know just more um, nutritious foods for people and I would walk around going place to place like, you know, these people, but I'd I'd have something like, you know, like tofu scramble burritos. <laughs> and that was kind of really new to people. And I'd have like organic apple pie, plant based. And I'd go around just like all the other people do selling. But I'd have to explain, you know, I'd have to really be like, well, you know, it costs a little more because it's all this. Here's the ingredients. And it was fun. I learned that there was a need for knowledge, uh, a need for more education around the topic. So I just, you know, kept that up for a while. Uh, I would cater some events for the tribe. They'd contact me when they wanted maybe like a little uh, healthier meal option. So I'd just been doing that for the past 10 years. And this time around, you know, I, was, I wanted to just create uh, the opportunity for people to have a choice. People say, oh, well, we don't have that kind of food here or, you know, we... So I just wanted to take away that void and just create an option available for people. 
I option to, or choice to make. I could either walk around again, you know, or driving place to place, selling health food, explaining myself, which is kind of hard. And some people are with it, and but it's just a little harder to find those people who are willing to pay, you know, a dollar more <laughs> for something. Or I was at the Walatoa C store right here, and I noticed they had a health fridge, a specific health fridge. I noticed that they were trying to gear that fridge towards healthier foods like I could just tell by the products that were in there and it didn't look that healthy still you know <laughs> it just didn't look like uh, I know I could see where they were trying to go but maybe it just didn't look as healthy as it could be so I just proposed to them I'm they they're, they're familiar with me from times past of catering events so I was thankful for that um, and I just presented myself to them and proposed that they let me, you know, keep their fridge stocked with healthier food options. And yeah, that's how that got started. I don't. What are some challenges you ran into just running a business, a food business? People are kind of afraid, I think, of certain. Naturally, it's about breaking habits. I feel like I'm kind of fighting people's habits of that we've that we've all formed over the years, you know, and it's a it's a serious thing. So that's a struggle. Um, I personally think it's very important um, to to eat vital foods, to eat real foods. Um, it really affects how we feel, how we think. Um, so I push that a lot. People who don't maybe agree with that, that's a struggle. So it's just breaking habits and uh, finding those people who are interested <laughs> in what I have to offer. Okay. What kinds of foods are people eating here in Hamas? Uh, you know, I used to drop off my Italiti order before closing some nights at 10 p.m. I'd get there like 9.45, 9.50 to drop off my order. And I'd see a lot of people leaving with slushies, with chips. A lot of people would come and get like nighttime snacks or something like that. And that's just too much sugar. I feel like there's too much sugar everywhere it's not just we're not like immune to the rest of the country either um, but a lot of just artificial processed um, foods that's what I see not as much vegetables not as much fresh food a lot of uh, processed foods how are you working with Tawana yeah so um, I've known Tawana over the years um, uh, one thing I heard at the women's business conference was like you know it really uh, resonated with me was that we're all doing the same work. As Native women, we all have the same core values. Um, and I feel like me and Tawana are doing the same work in different ways. And um, I know there's a lot of uh, local organic farmers now blooming. And um, I'm so happy to see that over the years, um, how that's transformed and more farmers. So I just wanted to, you know, keep in line with that. I once was a farmer on the other end trying to sell vegetables. We had a lot of produce and not that many avenues to get it out. That was Tina Archuleta. She also goes by Magma Data. She makes music about good food. Yes, yes. Blast up on fire, punch your simplicity is key. And so we stay blessed, vessel clean, no mess. I am not self-invest to withstand the daily world havoc test. Infinity to gain, ancient youth, come feed the flames. 
Cajun juice blends Ginger for my liver adds some carrots for my eyes And responsible for my own vibes For my highs and my lows For my soul growth To my life I add some more greens To clean up my blood memory We are all we eat, it's chemistry And they're killing us off chemically Nature has always been the remedy Fresh foods, fresh greens To keep my thoughts clean Healthy body lean, vibes high So all this Babylon drama ain't bothering Yo, and I haven't forgot 100% Pure positive thought was created for Toasted Sister by CWION. Check out more of this duo's fantastic blues music by visiting CWION.com. That's CWAYON.com. In the beginning of this episode, I mentioned a native food calendar. Well, keep tabs on social media. I'll have them available for purchase on the website very soon. I'm Andy Murphy, overlord of the Toasted Sister podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>